So one day I decided that as part of being a student, I should also read books. So I got Kindle Unlimited and fast forward, Kindle Limited, the first book that it recommends me is called Every Product Manager's First 90 Days. I was like, okay, this sounds very intriguing as I'm a new product manager, so let's see what happens in the first 90 days. I opened the book by the author called John Frank and fast forward, I finish it within a couple of hours. It's the first time that I finish a book within a couple of hours in one sitting. It was an easy read. It was a very engaging book for my taste and it was kind of funny in a weird way. And then I thought, wait a minute, what if I contact the author and then I ask him to be a guest on my podcast to elaborate more on the book, Every Product Manager's First 90 Days. And guess what? You're listening to that very episode with John Frank, author of Every Product Manager's First 90 Days. Okay, let's imagine for a moment, maybe close your eyes, that you got a product management job. The job that you've been fighting for years, for the past two years, that you've been sacrificing by all this time studying and yeah, you know the rest. So congrats. But now what? It takes most new product managers six to eight months to reach full productivity. Most companies and managers don't have onboarding and training designed specifically for product management. This means that you would spend half of your first year gathering the bits of information you need to be an effective product manager. Every product manager's first 90 days is a solution to this problem. So if you got a job, but even if you didn't, get a pen and a paper and write down all the things that we're going to mention in this podcast about what you should do in the first 90 days of you getting this job. I already mentioned John's name several times, I think, already, but let's leave him introduce himself. I'm John Frank. I do product at Samcart. Uh, we're an e-commerce platform uh, focused on helping digital sellers uh, sell more and create products online. And without further ado, let's start with what's the first thing that John says you should do once you start your product management job. And that is very simple, to be honest with you. The first thing that John says we should do is know your role. Uh, why I think this is important to start with is because what, what's the first thing you do when you're looking for a job? You read you read the job description, right? And that job description outlines duties and responsibilities and what you'll be working on. Uh, but then you know you might read that and then get hired a month, month and a half later, depending on how long the interview process is. And then maybe you have a few more weeks before you actually begin your new role. Uh, and so there's a long time period between when you read that original job, job description, even longer from when the manager originally wrote that job description. And so I think it's critical when you start your role that you become very clear on what is your manager expecting you to do? What is your team expecting you to do? What are you trying to accomplish as a product manager here? Uh, because that's the only way you're going to be successful is by knowing what uh, your role is and what uh, you're trying to impact in that position. And this sounds like really, uh, I mean, for, for some people, this could sound very fundamental, but we have to note as well that the reason why we're saying know your role is that in product management, it's very unclear as to what is expected into that position, right? Product management is has a lot of flavors, as you've took analogy on the book as well. Uh, it's like an ice cream when uh, you first get asked, what flavor would you like? And the product management comes in different flavors. But there is another thing, John, that I want to discuss. So what if a company 
uh, has put some responsibilities in product management and you think those are it. Once you get a job, you realize that you're doing completely different things. Uh, is there any like advice that you would give to such positions in which it came, it comes, you come to understand that, hey, you thought you know the role, but you actually don't. Yeah, sure. So I, I think there, it can get really noisy uh, when you start a role or you're trying to figure out what your position is supposed to do uh, because you're interacting with new teams, you're interacting with your manager. Uh, I, I think it's helpful when you just go back to the fundamentals of you are managing a product as a product manager, you're responsible for the success of this product. So Take, take it back to what are the, the main metrics we care about? What's going to help this product succeed? What's going to help it grow, right? What's going to uh, make people stick around and use this product longer? That's where I'd be looking to get clarity on what your role should be doing, what you should be impacting. Uh, there's a lot of other things that people are going to be asking of you. Some are good, some you'll have to manage, but uh, take it back to the basics of you're responsible for the overall health and life of the product that you're managing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And a takeaway that I got from this action actually was that one of my favorite things that actually made me think from my past experiences is that you can't be successful if you don't know what success looks like in the eyes of your new superiors and team. So as I said, like maybe responsibilities are just written as a cliche on a job posting, but maybe once you meet the supervisor, they have different uh, ideas. So that is why it's important. As much as fundamental, it, it seems, it's important to actually know your role, at least in product management. All right, know your role, this was easy. But again, it should make you aware that knowing your role is a fundamental thing. And if you think that you know the role, just ask once again, because you might get new information. But the second thing is one of the most important things as a product manager. The second thing you should do within your 90 days, and in fact, within your first week, is know your team. John will elaborate more on why is this important, but also how to know your team better. I think it's important to start by knowing your team, um, whether, well, in any role, you need to get to know your team well, because at the core of product management is communication and managing uh, relationships between different departments. You're managing relationships with engineers, designers, marketing, uh, all, all of those. And if you can figure out how to work well uh, with your immediate team and then external teams, you're going to be successful as a product manager. And so uh, I've seen people who, especially if you're starting you know, virtually or you work fully remote, Getting to know your team takes a lot of work. It takes being intentional and setting up uh, one-on-ones with them, getting to know them well. Uh, and that's why I think it's critical uh, in your first week or two that you're you know, seeking out those conversations, setting up those meetings with your team to get to know them. Mm. And something that I definitely related while I was reading the book with your experience is that uh, in one of the parts, you mentioned that you went to a lunch with uh, a team of 12 people, or I don't exactly remember the number. And then after the lunch, you couldn't remember the names of any of them. And that is one of my uh, problems that I have in remembering people's names. And what I'm doing is that like even after reading the book, but before reading the book, but even after, I'm really being cautious on knowing the name of the people so that I can tell them. Because going back to another book, which is uh, Winning Friends and Influence, one of the rules of how to win influ get influence is to mention people's names. So it's really important to know your team, but beyond that, to know their names and to connect with them at a deeper level. But then... yeah. Not knowing, I mean, yes, you know the team, but you go deeper into the developers. And knowing developers is a challenge in itself, I believe. I'm coming especially from my own experience. 
Um, they come from different backgrounds, but mostly, let's just say, if you can generalize, engineers are a bit tough to make friends with. Maybe they are introverts, uh, or I don't want to use the word introverts, but they're not as friendly as salespeople, for example. And most sure. likely, they also will not accept product managers or what's, I mean, there's a stereotype saying, what do product managers do here? You know? So what do, what can you tell about that, that as well? How do you make the team not to only know you, but to accept you as a contributor, as a product manager? Right. Yeah. Let's go, you know, let's go back to first remembering people's names and remembering what they do. One of the things that I always emphasize is start by getting to know people, you know, with obviously what they do at the company, but then talk to them about what they do outside of work. That's the easiest way to remember someone and remember their name. If I just tell someone, you know, my oh, name is John, exactly. I'm, I'm a product manager, that's that's not memorable. They're going to forget me. Uh, they're not going to, it's hard to, when you're meeting five, 10 people all on the same day, they're not going to remember. But if I tell them something unique about me, um, mm. or I ask questions about what they do in their free time or other hobbies, I can then start to relate to them. You know, maybe we have a shared interest. Maybe we have something else. As soon as you make mm. that connection, you're not going to forget that person. You're going to remember their name. You're going to remember what they do at the company. And I just find that a really helpful uh, tool. And it makes it more enjoyable because uh, once you know people and what they do outside of work, it's more enjoyable working with those people uh, because you know more about them. So uh, that's where I start with. But then a lot of that carries over to working with developers. Um, they're going to, you know, uh, unless you come from a technical background and you're a product manager, they will typically be saying a lot of things that you might not fully understand. Um, exactly. The, the, the more you can get to know them personally, understand what, like we said before, what their goals are, what they're trying to achieve, what excites them about the work that they're doing and just develop those one-on-one -on -one relationships. I think that, uh, helps you overall one, get up to speed faster, but then create lasting, uh, relationships with the team. And then, um, Trust. Trust is the other thing that you must establish with your developers. Where I've seen product managers go wrong is where um, they are telling their, you know, they're promising their own team one thing and then they're promising external teams another thing, or they're always switching the roadmap on their developers, or, you know, they're not being clear. As soon as you break trust with developers, it's very hard to get that back. And so uh, as simple as it sounds, you know, follow through with what you say you're going to do. Um, and just, you know, uh, be someone they can de depend on. And they know that you have their back uh, when you're working with people outside of the team. That's very good. Very val valuable. And you reminded me of something very funny when you said that you, uh, it's very true when you said that you you don't have to just ask the name and memorize it, but actually relate that name to uh, a story that they told you. And a funny thing is that recently as a student as well, we meet with a lot of people on a daily basis. And if you check my uh, the registry of my phone numbers of all the, the friends that I have, all of them have um, a, a story that they told me in their name. For example, uh, one of my friends, Saiba, she was a lifeguard. So her her number is Saiba Lifeguard. If I were to, to get your number, John, and to register in my phone, it would be like John Product Manager Book or something like that. So it yeah. really helps. And it's, it's true that you need to relate something with the story. Okay, as a product manager, you're definitely not going to work alone. Your day is going to be filled with meetings and meetings and meetings. No one works alone in the tech industry. 
just as no product is made in isolation. The same way can be said for product managers, who can often be found running here and there, connecting different teams and meeting with a lot of people. But while you're running and doing all of these things, one key aspect that often get overlooked which is the third thing that John has mentioned in his book that you need to do within 90 days is know your stakeholders. Knowing your stakeholders involves knowing what their goals and objectives are. Uh, whether this is your first product role or you've done other product roles, the, the leaders and managers in your company, they all have their own personal goals and objectives they're trying to achieve. And uh, by taking time to understand that and meet with them, you can better manage the product and better manage expectations. Um, you know, it's been said that one of the best ways to be successful is to make those people around you successful. And so understanding how you would make, you know, your head of marketing successful, what they're, what success they're trying to achieve with their team and their goals, and then figuring out how you can align what you're working on with the product to help make them successful. And same with all your other stakeholders, right? Uh, and that's why taking time in your first 90 days, one, just to get to know who your stakeholders are, but then also what uh, their goals and objectives are, I think is critical. And then one other note with this is, as you start managing a product and releasing different features or, or different things, is knowing which stakeholders those matter to and bringing them in and which ones those don't matter to. That's something I've seen a lot of new product managers struggle with is uh, they think every new feature has the exact same stakeholders and that's just not true. And that can lead to getting a lot of confusion on what should be built is when you're bringing people in that probably don't need to have a voice in that conversation. Uh, and so knowing which stakeholders matter for that feature and which ones don't matter is, is also critical. Yeah. And also, actually, I have one of the notes when I was reading the book on this chapter, one of the notes that I took, which I thought was kind of funny and very, very true. One of the reasons why I love the book is it was very practical. Some people care more about being heard than actually seeing their opinion acted upon. And that was when you were elaborating more on listen to your stakeholders no matter what, because some of them uh, actually just want to be heard. <laughs> you don't have to follow exactly what they say. So that is very practical. Can you elaborate more on that, on what made you, for example, what are your experiences to make you uh, write this statement, which I totally relate to? Sure, yeah. And uh, it's, you know, maybe I'll be a little careful with what I say, but uh, <laughs> I there's been plenty of, <laughs> plenty of conversations where <laughs> I've had, you know, maybe it's a, let's just say a, a customer support agent where, they have a customer that's been very frustrated by something. I'm just giving like a hypothetical situation here, but yeah, yeah, we've yeah. all seen variations of this, right? Where they have a customer that's called them or they've talked to who's just really upset uh, about something. And um, you can meet with that customer support person and they can kind of air their frustrations about the product or what's not working right. And sometimes, um, you know, that's, that's the end of it. That can be the end of it because it's a one-off odd issue that one customer had by you showing empathy and understanding it. That might be all you need to do to solve that. Now, a lot of other times there's big issues that probably need to be fixed within the product, but it's that role of just hearing people out, understanding what the, the real cause of the issue is, and then deciding if that's something you actually need to work on or not. Uh, and sometimes things go away without having to build anything. And other times, you know, you do actually need to, to go in and fix problems. But that's a little bit of where that statement mm -hmm. came from. 
Yeah, and I mean, taking on the funny side, right? I mean, it's this true. Like people like to be uh, to 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 have people like to be listened to to whatever they're saying. And the reason why I uh, also kind of related to this, it reminded me of back when I was working at a call center. Uh, if we talk about customers, customers as stakeholders, there are a lot of customers calling for their internet was not working. I was working for a telecommunications company, and one of them was like, "Look, my internet is working, but Facebook is not opening, so it's your fault." And I was like, sir, I understand your concern. Let me talk with our representatives from Facebook and we will resolve the issue. They're like, thank you so much. Have a good day. <laughs> and then the whole like the whole people around were laughing at me. But I mean, I was like, it makes sense. Just listen to them. Like whatever they right. say, they just listen to them. You don't have to act upon it. So that was, I mean, I think this lesson has followed me through as well throughout my whole career, as bad as it sounds. But I mean, hopefully my future employers are not listening to this podcast. <laughs> When you think about it, it's really exhausting to start a new job, isn't it? Know your team, know your role, know your stakeholders. And now the fourth thing, which is one of the most important things, is know your customers. When when we talk about knowing your customers, it's it starts by first understanding who actually uses your product. You probably have a base assumption on these, these are the people, these are the companies, these are the individuals who use your product, but you need to prove that that's actually true, right? I think if you've ever spent time digging into analytics or data, a lot of times you'll be surprised. Either it's demographic information or it's device type or whatever it might be, right? And um, it's it's normally a little bit different than what you assume uh, your your ideal customer is or, or the ones using it. And so I encourage people Really take time to dive in, see who the best customers are, see what patterns they demonstrate, see how long they've been using the product for. What's the difference between a great customer and a, a good customer? What's the difference between you know a customer that churns out after two months and one that sticks around for three years? Um, all of those insights, if you can dive deep into that during your first 90 days, you're going to be a great product manager because... You're going to understand the customer's pain points. You're going to understand what uh, job they're trying to get done by using your product. And that will help guide your vision for where the product should go. But sometimes, uh, just to touch on that point as well, sometimes knowing your customers is quite hard. I mean, it depends on all from the product, if it's user-centric, if it's not user-centric. And sometimes it's really hard to reach out to customers as product managers. So, for example, you would either have to go to the marketing team or to the customer service team. So what are how do you tackle these challenges, for example, if product management, the type of product management that you do is not user-centric? Is there any way, I mean, and actually, if you answer this question, you're going to help me understand from my perspective, because I'm working in a non-user centric environment. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It definitely varies depending on the type of product you're working on and the size of the company you're working on. I've worked everywhere from a nine person startup where at a nine person startup, I had full access to any customer I wanted to talk to. And it was very easy to have those conversations all the way up to you know a 6,000, 7,000 person company where I was many steps removed from our end user at that point. Um, and so it does, as in certain companies and certain roles, it does just become harder to understand who that ideal customer is. Um, if, if you're in one of those environments, there's a few things you can do that I think uh, would be useful. One is trying to 
connect with the team that is talking to the customers. Like you just mentioned, you know, you were like a customer support agent or uh, you were talking on the phone to customers. There are probably teams within the organization that are doing that. Sometimes you could ask to, uh, you know, listen in or join some of their calls or get some of the call recordings that they're already having. Um, maybe it's going and following, uh, joining a salesperson on the sales call uh, or seeing again, the recordings of that. I think there's ways where if you're in a bigger organization, you can try to find the teams that are interacting and then work with them to start to understand that. And then if you can't end up talking to them in person, that's when I turn to what analytics and data do we have about the customer or what can I learn uh, from that? That makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Uh, you got to dig deeper sometimes to, to find the answers. If you are by chance thinking, I already know this, I know that I should know the customer, I know I should know stakeholder, my team. Here's another one that probably you haven't thought about. Know your history. How many times have you checked at the history of a company, how it progressed from where it was to where it is right now and stuff like that? I have never done it. So if you take nothing out of this podcast, consider taking this step. Know your history. Here is why John says this is important. What I what I think about when I think about knowing your history is, uh, I think I give this example in the book, is I think about like the early days of, of Facebook and how quickly they were changing the UI and the interface. And I just remember in the early days, they would like move the navigation or they would change what something was called and everyone would be in an uproar for about a week and then uh, everyone get used to it, right? And uh, people would forget that that change was made. Um, and if you, know, if you Google, Google now early Facebook feeds, you'll probably remember some of them. You'll be surprised at how bad some of them look. But the same is true of the, the product you're working on, right? Where there's a whole history of this product up until the point that you joined. You're joining at a single moment in time. And there were probably a lot of good ideas that were executed on. There were probably some ideas that were thought of that were never executed on. And so by understanding what's happened before you joined, you can better understand what needs to happen in the future. Because I've seen time time and time again where someone said, you know what, we should really do this only for the response to be, oh, we tried that two years ago and that didn't work. Um, and so the more you can investigate and understand what's happened and what series of decisions have led to the, the product that you are now working on, I think the better you set yourself up to know here's here's what will work in the future and here what maybe won't work because we've already tried that before I got here. That definitely makes sense. And I think it's definitely important to know as well, because uh, sometimes you try to to have an idea and someone calls it, no, we tried it in the past and it didn't work. And then it kind of blocks your creativity. So maybe knowing your history takes you to another level of creativity where, where there's no blockage of such a thing. And that's why I really liked it. And it made me aware. I'm not going to lie, because I never thought I mean, it kind of makes sense, but I've never done it myself pretty much. So that was one of the things that made me more aware of that I'm going to take with me. Okay, bear with me. We're almost at the last steps that you should do in your first 90 days as a new product manager. The fifth thing is know your current and future product. I am always surprised at, and this doesn't, I guess, reflect super well on a, a lot of product managers, but how few product managers have used the product they manage in depth. Um, 
some of that can be if it's a you know a B2B product and it's hard for them to just dive in themselves, it's a little easier in like the B2C realm to use your own product. But uh, you should be an expert on your product. So as much as you can, you should be in there trying to understand how it functions. What are all the screens? What are all the interfaces? What are the different data connections? As much as you can be diving in and understanding that, the better off you'll be. And the exercise I, I mentioned in the book, and I encourage everyone to do this, is the first time you start interacting with your product, go through it as if you were a brand new user, as you are in that context, and take a lot of notes. Uh, I wrote the notes probably similar to how I uh, wrote this book, which is just very personable. It's not very uh, technical in nature. I just write things like, you know, this button doesn't make sense that it's over here. Uh, this menu should behave differently. I just write this all out as I'm interacting with the product. And then I take that document, I store it away for a few months until I know more. And then I come back to it and I reference it. And maybe I understand more of how certain decisions were made, or maybe I realize, okay, some of these things I identified are bugs or issues that we should address. Um, I'm very cautious to not bring all those things to the team week two of me starting a role and say, hey, here's everything that's wrong with this product, right? Like that doesn't develop healthy relationships with your team. Um, but you want to spend that time slowly going through, understanding how your product works. And then even beyond your first 90 days, you should be spending regular time using your own product. And John, I've asked this question. I've, uh, this is going to be the fifth or sixth episode. And I've asked this question three times already uh, about the products. So yes, you get to know the product and maybe you get to delve deep into the product. But what if you don't like the product? What if you don't believe in it? Uh, can you still be a successful product manager, in your opinion, if you you see the product and you're like, "What? I don't, I don't think it's gonna make it. I don't think it's gonna work." So, is there such an extreme case where you get demotivated as a product manager just by not liking what you're building? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a fair concern. I've, I've seen it happen to people. I've had it happen at times where it's, it's a hard product to get behind. I, I would say. If you were trying to land your very first product role, it sometimes can be a little hard to be picky on which products you're going to work on. Um, the longer you go in your career, I think opportunities open up where you get to pick or be a little bit more selective on the types of products you, you want to work on. Uh, and so I'm definitely not recommending that someone should just take a job on a product that they they hate or they're not interested in. Uh, but uh, I've noticed in my own career at, at this point, uh, I'm now choosing the products that I am personally passionate about, that I'm excited about, that I want to use myself. Uh, and that just, if, if you're excited about the product and you want to use it yourself, I do think it's it's better to uh, manage and you'll be more excited to, to get up and go to work every day. Yeah, that's fair. That's actually fair. Uh, when, once I started into the world of product management, I realized that there are two layers. The first layer is, will I get a job? Uh, because the market conditions and stuff like that. And the second thing, I hope I get, I get a job with a product that I like. And I mean, this is yeah. applicable to a lot of positions, of course, but there are some positions such as operations or accounting that they're not necessarily worried about such things, right? So I thought yeah. that this was quite quite challenging to find the perfect fit, uh, but I don't think it's impossible though, but it is, it's a two-layer thing in my opinion. Um, I, I, and one more thing yeah. I'll say on that. I, I yeah. do think if you're working on a product that maybe you're, not super excited about like uh it's more you're you have the job because you wanted a, a product role and it's a, a complicated product that 
you're maybe just not as enthusiastic about. I, I do think what that forces you to do is become very good at the core of product management. Yeah, which is exactly. The research, like you don't get caught up in your own excitement or what features you would love to see in the product. You have to become really good at understanding what are the, the main needs for this product. And so I don't think it's a bad thing to, to work on a product that maybe you're you're less excited about because it probably forces you to become really good at the fundamentals of product management. I, I absolutely agree with what you said. And that's definitely another perspective, which I've never taken into, into the account when I thought about this. But I mean, yeah, you can learn agile methodologies. You can learn how a scrum team works, how product roadmap gets built, the stakeholder management. So, so you can definitely get all the skills, actually, even though the, the main product is not excited, exciting for you, you can de- develop the skills for another step, another role, which will uh, be a good product. That's That's a good thing, actually, that you said. And then... Some notable mentions, because I don't want to go one by one with the book, but I thought that this is also important, especially since I've worked in a sales environment before, and I've seen how engineers don't really understand sometimes what's really what their product is actually being used for. I used to work in an e-commerce platform, uh, myself as well, just like you, and we would build things for people who are in the 80-year-olds, 70-year-olds. I understood that, but engineers came up with really complicated solutions. So that's where the first time where I realized that engineers don't really know about what's going on. And I think the product manager's role is perfectly to serve as a middleman between sales and and the customers. So know your sales, marketing, and competition. Why are they important besides what I mentioned from my own experience? What's what's your intake in this? It just all plays into understanding everything that your your product is uh, dealing with. You know, when you're understanding your sales and marketing, you're understanding the message that customers are being told before they join your product. A lot of products have a disconnect, right? Between what marketing and sales is saying it's going to do and then the experience, the first experience a customer has. So you want to understand what's being promised to customers. What's the message that they're receiving? Uh, because that impacts how you're building the product. You want to understand your competition. You want to understand what they're building, what the the general market looks like, uh, who who else is in this space, what are they building, their angle, uh, what type of customers are they trying to serve, what are the new pieces that they've released in the last year. All of that can feed into what you need to focus on as a product manager. That makes sense. That makes absolutely sense. One last thing. Uh, we're talking about what you should do, like know your team. And I mean, quite obviously, what you shouldn't do is uh, not doing what we already said you should do. (laughs) But have you observed on your career, uh, new product managers, like what is something that you said, wow, no, you should never do that. Or mistakes that maybe are not more about know your customer, know about this, but some common mistakes that you think product managers do in general. The, the first thing that pops into my mind is product managers that come in trying to change too much or really change. Uh, let me let me think of a different way to say this. Product managers that come in wanting to change systems or with too strong of opinions early on. It's um, oh, you're, that's a you're really there good to one. learn. Yeah, you're there to learn in your first few months. And um, it might be easy to see some flaws in how the development team is working or how certain meetings are being handled or different things, right? 
But when people come in too strong and they're trying to change everything in their, their first month or their two months without any of this context we just talked about, that is going to rub people the wrong way at the company. You're not going to develop strong relationships. And again, it goes back to that trust. Uh, if you don't ever establish that trust, it's going to be very hard to uh, create buy-in and uh, work well with your team. This is absolutely one of my favorite don'ts and a very, very good thing to remind ourselves once again. Um, because, yeah, I mean, there's a tendency for product managers to, to sound like, hey, I'm I'm here, I'm your hero. And, the, and on the other side, engineers, as we discussed already, they think they don't they don't need a product manager. So product manager, even if a product manager can make substantial changes, I think they should do it slowly just for the sake of the judgment judgment that they could get from the engineers. For example, when I was working on one of the teams, engineering teams, I noticed a very, very simple thing, which was user stories were not being written at all. There was just one line. And I went to engineers. I was like, how is this possible? You have to let it. They were like, look, we've been working on this for the past 10 years. So give us one line and we know exactly what is it is to be done. And then I realized, oh, wow, wait, take it slow. Take it slow, hero, because you're not saving them. And basically, it, it works. So don't try to fix something that is broken, you know? So that's really interesting. And that that also relied to my experience. John, thank you so much. I think you're a very practical person in general. <laughs> Your yeah. book, the way that you speak about the po- like on the podcast, I really like the practicality of, of your speech. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank <laughs> you for having me on. This has been great. Absolutely. Well, this is it. These are the things that John, an experienced product manager, suggests new product managers do during their first 90 days. If you have just started your job as a product manager, congrats. I hope that this episode can inspire you to take your next actions. If you're looking for your first product management job on the other side, keep going and don't give up. I know the current market conditions are tough for all of us out there, but hang in there and don't give up on applying as much as you can. If you want to learn more about what we discussed today, you can find every product manager's first 90 days by John Frank on Amazon. You can either get a paperback book or get the Kindle Unlimited version, which is basically $0.000 for free. Thank you for listening to the Product League podcast. I'll see you at the next episode.